Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. This morning is a really interesting one. This was a punch, and imagine this, wouldn't this be embarrassing? This is a punch that knocks you out, but you are the only one swinging. All right, so imagine if you go into a fight and you knock yourself out with your own punch. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? All right, now here's the thing. People do that all the time. Okay, so today I want to tell you about what that is. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to tell you what it is, all right? All right, come on. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for each person that's sitting in a seat right now listening to these words. Because God, however we came to be here this morning, I know you knew that they were going to be here. And so, Father, I pray that these words that we shared today, that God, that they would be inspiring in some sense, God. But God, I pray they encourage us to get on with what you've called us to do. I pray that today there are some people that if they're lying down and they feel like they're getting knocked around by life, that today they make a decision to get back up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to tell you a story. It's in the Bible. You can find it in Matthew chapter 20. We're not going to read it for the sake of time. So let me just go ahead and explain the story to you uh, and, and then we can get into it. It's a story about uh, laborers in a vineyard and there's a master of a vineyard. And so he needs some people to work uh, in, in the vineyard. So he goes out to the town square or the city and he, he finds some people and this is a story that Jesus is telling. He says that the man went out at the beginning of the day, all right? You know what that is? 6 a.m., okay? 6 a.m. is the first hour. And he goes out around 6 a.m. and he finds some people that are standing around and he says, hey, I'm going to em- employ you to come work in my vineyard. And they decide to settle on a price. So he says, I'm going to pay you a denarii, which is like a day's labor. Does that seem good to you? And they said, yes. He said, great, come work for me. So around nine o'clock, he goes back out. He finds more people just standing around, not doing much. And so he says to them, hey, what are you guys doing? Would you like to come work in my vineyard? And they say, yes, we would. And he says, all right, well, come ahead and work. And they start working. And he does this multiple times. In fact, he goes out at 12 o'clock, then at three o'clock, right? Now, this is the, the last time he goes out is around 5 p.m. And again, he still finds more people standing around. Don't ask me who's standing around at five o'clock looking for work, okay? But these guys were. And he says, hey, would you like to come and work in my uh, vineyard? They said, yes. He says, great, come work for me. Uh, he goes and he works there and they only work one hour. Now it gets to the end of the day and then the master has to pay everybody. So he gets these guys and he lines them up beginning with the people that started work last. So the people that started at 5 p.m. are the people he decides to pay first. So he pays them a denarii. He gives them a day's wages. This is very generous. And so the guys at the other end who were watching what's happening, they're probably saying, you see that? He just got a denarii. So that, I reckon we're going to get so much more than that. Why? Because we started at the beginning of the day. So they're paying everybody. And the guys that started at 6 a.m., they get to the, the, the end of the queue and he, they get their money and the master gives them a denarii. And they look at him and they say, we are ripped off. I say, I can't believe this. I say, how come you paying us a denarii when that other guy that, that you paid first, he started, he only worked an hour, he started at five o'clock in the afternoon and you paid him the same thing. And the master says to them, hang on, don't you remember that we agreed that a denarii 
was worth it. I would pay you a day's labor. Now, you were happy with that at the beginning of the day. Yes, we were happy with that at the beginning of the day. So now, why are you frustrated and disappointed? He actually goes on to say, hey, I can do what I want with my stuff. Are you begrudging my generosity? The first will be last and the last shall be first. Now, the thing about that story is the people that began at the very start of the day and worked all day were happy with what they got until they compared it to what someone else had. The punch that you throw yourself that knocks you out is comparison. I want to speak to you about comparison today. If you want to ruin something good in your life, compare it to something great in somebody else's life. Yeah? So I like to go to the gym occasionally. Why is that funny? I'm going to have to really work out a lot harder, I think. So I like to go to the gym occasionally, and they have these posters up for different classes that you can take. And on the, on the poster, uh, there's like a, it was called a CX Works class, and I've told this story before, but just really briefly for those of you that don't know, on the picture, <clears throat> there's men and women both doing this CX Works class, okay? And so after a couple of conversations, I thought, well, it's covered in my gym fees anyway. I should do it. I should do it. So I showed up to this class, and I was a little bit late. So when I opened the door without really thinking too much, I just walked straight into the middle of the class. And I was so committed at this point because I had my mat and my little rubber blade. It's like a skipping rope. I don't know what it is, but I had that too. And I got into the middle and I looked around. I noticed something a little bit different about myself. I was the only male there. And where I was just wearing like shorts and t-shirt, like gym stuff, but shorts and t-shirt, they're all in like spandex. Or like, or like compression suits, but like full body stuff and colorful, you know? I'll tell you right now, I stood out, right? Now instantly, I noticed that I was different, okay? And I want to tell you, it's okay to look at somebody else and notice the difference between maybe who they are and what they have and notice the difference between you and them. But let me tell you something that was true on that day. I didn't actually want to be them. I didn't want to be a woman in spandex. No, I didn't. <laughs> No, I'm, I was very happy as a male in my t-shirt and shorts, right? But this is where the, th the whole thing goes awry because you start to compare what other people have and, and what they're doing and you, you start to get envious of what they've got. So I don't want to be like them. It's okay to notice the difference though. This, this is a funny quote by Woody Allen. He said, my only regret in life is that I'm not someone else. I thought that is hilarious because that affects every part of your life. You, my, my one regret is that I am not a completely and totally different person. We live in a culture that is enamored and addicted to comparison. Do you ever go on Facebook and you see people that are taking a photo of their legs in front of a pool? Now, some of you, this is going to go way over your head, and I'm okay with that, right? But then they ask this question, hot dogs or legs? <laughs> now, here's the thing. This is the crazy part. 
knees, when they're not hairy, uh, they can look like hot dogs. And people, yeah, and people do this. They'll get hot dogs and they take a photo in front of a pool and they say, hot dogs are legs. And you say, legs? No, they put hot dogs there. So it's like this little trick that people do, right? And when I see stuff like that, it's a thing, like thousands of people do this, right? So when I see photos, hot dogs or legs, right? Do you know what I'm not saying? First of all, there's no win there because if you actually are a photo of your own legs and someone says, I think they're hot dogs, like you didn't win anyway. So people just said you have legs that look like hot dogs. So to me, I think, why ask the question you don't want an answer to? But anyway, let's say that, you know, you, you do answer. When I see stuff like that, or maybe when you see stuff like that, you think, you're not thinking hot dogs or legs. You're thinking, how are you on another holiday? Where the heck did you get all your money from? I feel like every other week you're just like, I'm here, I'm there. And you're just like, where are you pulling all this cash from? Did you get a promotion, right? And they'll just take this amazing photo of themselves by the pool. You're like, well, you know what? I hate holidays anyway, so who cares, you know? And it just gets, you know, because you start to get a little bit, maybe a little bit envious, a little bit jealous about what they've got. I was talking about this whole uh, social media thing with my small group on Wednesday, and they say things like this. You know, my, some of the people in my small group, they said, oh yeah, sometimes I just look at other people, what they're doing just gets me mad. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, explain that. They say, well, you know, like, they'll take these photo, these beautiful photos with their kids and all the rest of it, right? Do you know how I feel? Honestly, sometimes I feel like if I was going to take a photo of what I actually want to celebrate, it's that today I had a shower. Today, yeah. Today I got dressed and I have three small children and I got dressed today, you know, and I made lunch and I ate it in my own time, you know? And, and so, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the thing, okay? Because, right, you see these incredible photos that people are putting up and you're looking at what other people are doing and you're like, that's not like my life. I don't, I don't look like that, you know? I, I, to be honest, I wish my life was maybe a little bit more like that and it's not. I heard a, a great preacher guy, Andy Stanley, he spoke on this subject. He says, people struggle with the land of Ur. Now, most of you have been to the land of Ur, but you didn't even realize it. So he says, you know, everybody wants something that's great Ur, big Ur. They want a car that's fast Ur. They want more, you know, more money that, you know, they want, they struggle with the land of Ur. I heard another pastor quote Andy Stanley, his name's Craig Rochelle, and he said this. He said, that's not even my problem. I struggle with the land of Est. I want big Est and strong Est and, you know, like, I, I, I want the most Est. That's not a word. I made it up, but it doesn't matter. You get the point. Okay. It's my sermon. I can preach it how I want to. So this is the thing. People struggle with Est. They struggle with having more. You know, I, I, I want more. I, let me go ahead and be really honest. Okay. So you know, as a church, I can let you know right now that we are just doing so great as a church. In fact, some of you would not even know this, but as a church, we've grown by 25% in the last 12 months. And just so you, yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Right now, I'll tell you something, that is outrageous growth. In fact, they say to the movement that we're a part of, if you can just grow by 7% year on year, you are doing so well, okay? So we are absolutely killing that, right? So we're doing really well. And I I love seeing people get saved in our services, give their lives to Jesus, because I think that really matters. And uh, I love that. Now, at the end of of a Sunday, we've had an absolutely fantastic day and the place was packed, both services, and people gave their lives to Jesus. If I really want to start to ruin something that's been good all day, it's very easy for me to do it. All I have to do is go onto Facebook and find a church that's ahead of where we are and maybe somewhere where, where I might envision ourselves where we might want to be and I just have to look at their success. And if I do that, even though everything is going good for me, I can start to compare that and think, oh no, no, that's, that's where I want to be. See this it's how you ruin something that's good in your life. You compare it to something that's great in somebody else's. Now, here's the thing. The opportunities to compare yourself to others are limitless. You can do this forever. So let me go ahead and ask you a question this morning. What's the standard that you measure yourself by? And it's a really good question because comparison is always measured against a standard. It has to be. Comparison is always measured against the standard. Where is that standard? It's everywhere. It's everywhere, but oftentimes your thumb will find it as you're scrolling. It's a really easy place to find comparison. Sometimes comparison might be parked in your neighbor's driveway. Brand new car. How'd you afford that? You know, you you can find it. And the opportunities to find this stuff are endless. See, comparison feeds insecurity. It feeds insecurity. And if you've ever asked yourself the question, am I enough? Like, do I, I mean, do I have enough? Am I good enough? And there's something that's going on on the inside of your heart, maybe some insecurity, you haven't completely formed your identity in Christ. That's how you become insecure, by the way. You attach it to something on this earth. And you start to feel a little insecure and you ask yourself that question. You know, come on, am I enough in any area of your life? Here is a great place you should never go. Go to Facebook and make a post and then count how many likes you get. Yeah. And if you want to make it worse, compare it to a friend of yours or someone that's in a similar area to you or compare your post to someone else and make sure that they've got, you've got more likes than them or less likes than them. I, this, is, this is how people start to measure their, or, or find affirmation and uh, I think that this is particularly difficult, and don't get me wrong, it's difficult for everybody, it's difficult for uh, men, but it's particularly difficult, I found, just in some reading and some research for women. And so I I did a little bit of um, uh, research, there's a a, a group called Barna, which is a research organization, they did a study on the effects of social media on women. So I thought it might be interesting to look at that this morning. So... 
The study discovered that after using social media, women reported that 35% wanted to change something about their life. Why do you think that is? Where do they find something to change to? They've been doing maybe some comparing. 24% felt like they were missing out. We call that FOMO. Have you ever met somebody like that? They've got fear of missing out. It's like no matter where they are, they want to be somewhere else. They're in a conversation with one person. They think they're missing out on a conversation with another. But after using social media and look at all the great stuff that other people are doing, What's happening to them? They're still sitting in their pajamas, right? And going, I'm missing out on life. Okay. 21% felt lonely or jealous. Imagine that. I know this is outrageous to you, but social media makes people feel lonely. Wow. Who would have thought that was true? And then finally, 70% of women felt a negative emotion after using social media. And I think part of the reason that is, is they're seeing stuff on there, which is either where they want to be or what they want to do or what they want to have. And as I said to you, the opportunities to compare yourself to the lives of other people are endless. You might say, I wish I had a different body or you, 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 know, you, you look at you know, the lives of other people and you're like, why doesn't my husband act like that? He never brings me breakfast in bed. By the way, husbands, let's just form a little thing here, right? If you do something great for your wife, don't post it. You're not helping me. So, please, let's work together on this. This is the thing, you know, there's endless opportunities to compare yourself to someone else. But I want to tell you, this is a major problem with it. Please understand this today, church. Here's the big problem with it. The standard you're using is the highlight reel of someone else's life. The highlight reel isn't real. It's a highlight reel. It's their best. It's the most amazing thing that they've got that's going on. That's why I made it there. And they're posting it. If we were to be really honest, this is me filling up the car with petrol. This is me driving to school. Be quiet in the back. You know, it's like, if you were going to take photos of what was really going on, it's like, you're not going to, no one's getting likes for that. It's a a problem that self-perpetuates, you know, because the likes happen for amazing things. So let's post amazing things. Oh, shock, horror. I don't have an amazing life. (laughs) This is the problem with comparison. See, the standard you measure becomes your validation. You need to know that any external affirmation will never compensate for your inner deficiencies. There are not enough likes on Facebook to help you with your insecurity. There are movie stars and rock stars around the world struggling with insecurity. They have everything that other people want, but when you get there, it's not what you thought it would be, and they are still struggling with it. It doesn't matter how many posts they get, it's not enough to remove what's going on on the inside of you. And the more you try to fill up, the thirstier you get. It's like drinking salt water. You think you're hydrating, you're just getting more dehydrated. You know, when I was younger, I remember um, even when you're a little kid, you will learn this very quickly. 
the human beings arrange themselves into groups and classifications. So when I was in school, even primary school, I realized that there was a cool group and there was a group that wasn't as cool. And I didn't know how that happens or how they arrange themselves. But the cooler kids, they maybe dress a little bit differently. They maybe act a little bit differently. Maybe they're a little bit more rebellious. I, I don't know how it works. There's a system somewhere. And the cool kids arrange themselves and the more uncool kids, you know, they're over here. And, and so looking at these groups, I said, well, I don't know, like, I don't know which group I want to, you know, be in, but like, I'd, I'd rather be more popular. And, and there was these pants that you could buy at the time, okay? Now, here's the funny thing about fashion, because now we just wear skinny pants. But back then, it was how fat can your pants go? <laughs> so... There was a brand of pants. Now, some of you, this is like a history lesson for some of you. It will be tonight. And, and, and so, they were called cross colors, yep. right? Yep. Cross colors. And they were fat, right? They were so fat at the bottom, they could hide your entire foot. Yeah. And so, I got a pair of these pants. And, and, and I put them on. And I don't know, have you ever done this? Where you put on something that's maybe cool on other people, but you're looking at it and you're going, I don't know if I can pull this off. <laughs> you know it looks good on other people, but you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I know when I see other people wearing it, I think they're really cool. But when I do, they'll look at me and say, you're a fraud. <laughs> We know who you really are underneath those giant pants. So anyway, I'm wearing these pants. And I'm going to tell you something today that is absolute shock horror. When I wore them, it didn't fix my inadequacies or increase my value. Imagine that. So you need to find a way to deal with your insecurity. And this is what the Apostle Paul said when it came to the issue of comparison. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, he says... Not that we dare classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. By the way, when you commend yourself, you must be measuring yourself against the standard. Otherwise, what's there to commend? But when they measure themselves by one another, ah, there's the standard against each other and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I'm not even going to classify myself. I'm not going to measure myself against anybody else. And just for the context, they were measuring spiritual gifts to see if Paul should really be an apostle. They're measuring apostleship. And he says, I'm not even going to go down that path. I'm, I'm not having anything to do with it. So that's what they were measuring back in Paul's day. Okay, What are you measuring about yourself today? Maybe it's your talents and your abilities. Maybe it's your income. Maybe it's your status, your influence. But as I say, the opportunities to do this, they are limitless. You can just keep going. And let me ask you, whenever you have measured yourself against another person, how did that work out for you? Because you will either see somebody that you're doing better than 
and see yourself as superior or they're doing better than you and now you're inferior. So whether you see yourself as superior or inferior, it doesn't really make a difference. They're both wrong answers because you shouldn't even be looking at life like that. So there's no right way to actually go about comparing yourself. If you want to ruin something good in your life, just compare it to something great in somebody else's life. The Bible is full of these stories and examples. In fact, even from the beginning of time, you had uh, Cain and Abel, these two brothers, both made sacrifices to God. Where Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God, Cain's sacrifice was rejected by God. And even though Cain's sacrifice had actually nothing to do with what Abel was doing, don't you think he kind of peered across the way and saw how his brother was being accepted? And he saw that and he thought, I know how to fix this problem. I need to eliminate my competition. So he decided that he was going to kill his brother, maybe because he felt like he was in a little bit of competition and he was comparing their relationship with God. And guess who got marked by it for the rest of his life? No, literally, he actually did. There was something called the mark of Cain, a mark that God put on Cain, and it marked him for the rest of his life. Born from what? Born from his own insecurities, born from his own rebellious spirit and nature. This happens all the time. Even you think about King David and King Saul. Saul was a king that was incredibly insecure. And when David came onto the scene, people were singing songs about them. They say, oh yeah, uh, Saul's killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. In fact, it was so hard for Saul to handle, he went to his advisors and he said to them, why are people saying that I only kill thousands and David kills tens of thousands? Now, if he had have actually played the situation right, he might have found that David would have served him for the rest of his life because David had such an honoring heart and spirit. But since he saw himself in competition with David, since he saw himself and he was comparing his life with David's, what did he do? He hunted David down and it tormented him. And when you keep comparing yourself to other people, it's going to torment you. It's not going to help you in any way, shape or form. Why? Because comparison is a trap. It's a trap. It steals your joy and robs your worth. It's a trap. It's a knockout punch, really. And here's what's worse. You're the only one swinging. There's no one else there. You're just knocking yourself out because you're the one that's comparing yourself to other people. Have you ever watched a scary movie and, and as the main character is going down a dark alley or a dark room and, and you're like, well, this happened to us last night. We're watching a movie with the kids last night and I heard my son Judah say, I wouldn't go in there. <laughs> Don't do it. No, don't do it. Right? This is what my son is saying as we're watching a movie last night. He's saying, don't go in there. Right? This is what I want to say to you this morning. Don't go down that path. 
Don't go in there. Don't start to compare yourself. If you do, guess what? You're the one that's going to end up hurt. And by the way, when you start to compare yourself to other people, let me give you a great piece of insight this morning. You have no idea what God is doing with either them or you. I have learned that favor, the favor of God is not fair. The grace of God is equal for everyone. But why is it that some people seem to get incredibly blessed and other people don't? Some people just walk in in, an outrageous favor and others won't. I don't know, but I know that some things are only God given. So how could I get frustrated at somebody else when it's actually God that's doing the work? And you compare yourself to them. But really, it's just what God is doing in their life. You see, it doesn't really make sense to compare yourself. And I think that's why this is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4.3. But with me, it is a, a very small thing, a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul learned something incredible. He said, I'm not even going to judge myself. I'm going to leave all of that up to God. And when you compare yourself, is that not what you're doing? Aren't you just judging yourself against the standard that's unrealistic sometimes? So let me go ahead and give you some practical advice. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, run with endurance the race that's set before us. You got to just run your race. My son Isaac, he just took up athletics, you know, at the end of last year. And uh, they would do the 100 meter sprint. And so you see all the kids line up, and I am that dad who calls out to his son from the end. No other parents are doing it, it's fine. And so I'm calling out to him, and I'm saying, Run, Isaac, run. So he's, he's, he's off, right? And as he's running, he's like, I wonder where my friends are. He's like, ah, they catch up to him, right? He runs away, he pats him on the back. (laughs) He's in a race against this person. And he's just patting them on the back. And he's like, you know, it's all smiles. And I'm like, run, right? Now, here's what I noticed. He did this a lot. Every time he did, he would slow down. Why? Because he's looking at what other people are doing. He's leaning into someone else's lane. What do you got to do? You need to run your race. You need to run your race. You need to keep your eyes fixed on your prize, on what God is doing in your life. Stop looking at what God's doing in somebody else's life. Just look at your own goals. Listen, there are going to be goals that you need in your life that they don't even need. Your husband has a no relationship with God. That can't be anybody else's goal. It has to be your goal. You're, you're spending that time with him. You're talking to him. That can't be anybody else's goal, only yours. You've just got to run your race. And here is something that, again, this is, none of this is, should be shocking to you. You can't win somebody else's race. So why are you trying? Why are you trying to win someone else's race? Why are you comparing yourself to what they do? Leaning into their lane, getting jealous about what God is doing in their life. 
Stop worrying about what others get and stop worrying about what others do. Because when you do that, it's like you're punching yourself in the face. You are knocking yourself out. There is no value in you doing that whatsoever. So if you decide today that you want to wake up, get back in the fight and pick yourself up off the campus, I want you to realize something from the get-go. You will not achieve enough in life to be free from the comparison trap. You can't achieve enough. You won't be able to do enough to get free of the comparison trap. And this should seem obvious, but the freedom that you need is actually found in Christ. See, if you want to get serious about measuring yourself against the standard, why should you just stop with the people that are in your immediate vicinity? Why not compare yourself to movie stars and pop stars? Why shouldn't you compare yourself? They're just a human like you. And if you were going to be real honest and you want to really get serious about comparing yourself, why be limited by time? You should compare yourself to great people of history. They're just people like you. And if you want to get really serious and you want to compare yourself to the greatest standard ever set, you should compare yourself to Jesus because that's the standard that God has set for you in your life. It's called perfection. But you should know that should you decide to try and be perfect, you will fail. And people have tried for thousands of years to earn their relationship with God. And that is what the gospel message is all about. The gospel message is one of incredible grace that when we could never measure up to the standards set by God, that by grace He would come and give us His perfect life in place of ours, that He would take the penalty for our sin, that He would pay the price that we could not pay, the debt that we could not pay. And in place of that, He says, I tell you what, I'll die the death that you should die and the perfect life I live, I'll give it to you. You get the perfect standard by the grace of God, which is why you've got to remember to try as you may and do your absolute best, you'll fail. You no, you need, you need the grace of God to be at work and in effect in your life. So maybe you've been comparing yourself to other people. It's a great way to ruin your worth, by the way. And maybe, maybe you feel in your own way without telling anybody else worthless 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 if that's how you feel I want to tell you something today you're worth so much to God that he would send his only son to pay the penalty upon the cross for you I need to tell you something this morning that even though you might feel worthless, you are utterly, completely, totally loved. 
and it has nothing to do with any of your achievements, how many likes you get, how popular you are. It has nothing to do with that. It's the value that God places on you because he loves you. Man, you need the grace of God in your life. Why don't we stand together this morning? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.